Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm trying not to be sniffly. (laughs) I'm trying not to be coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And we're still waiting for Janet. She's going to pop in here shortly. Hi, Janet. Hey, Brandy. How you doing? Good. Um, so, so this week um, we have a topic, um, but I also wanted, to, <laughs> I also wanted to mention that I popped in here and was looking at our stats, and it seems we have a pretty decent number of listeners dang it where did the little so we hit uh 2500 listens all-time listens nice and we've got about 150 people listening per episode which is really cool yeah and um and pretty quickly after the episodes go up so i just wanted to say thanks to everyone listening which is really cool i hadn't looked in a while so uh so thanks for listening Um, And I think today we're going to try to tackle the idea of coping with agency. And I think there are a couple sort of subtopics that went into this in choosing to do a specific episode about it. I know from my angle, I know that early on in starting to understand my experience as animistic of the world around me and internally, that understanding all things to have agency or all things to have a soul, all things to have essence, um, it can be really overwhelming, I think, initially and feels really heavy, really weighty in terms of suddenly needing to see everything around me very differently and with a great deal more respect than I might have had prior. Um, but wanted to see how the other, um, the other two of you you know, what you wanted to bring into also talking about, you know, how we cope with agency. And maybe some further discussion of agency as well. I know Kelly had mentioned maybe wanting to delve a little deeper into that in and of itself. Yeah, I think, I think most of the time when you do reading on agency in conjunction with animism, the definition that you see is usually based on a sociological perspective, which again tells you that most of what we understand about animism and traditional approaches to spirituality, they're filtered through an academic perspective. And so, I mean, even the word animism is an agency. (laughs) They're, they're, They're chunky words to describe something that for me feels very light and natural. So um, agency through that lens is usually thought of as humans, of course, having the ability to set goals, to meet those goals, and all the while, while they're meeting those goals, change the goals if they need to, and set goals beyond those goals. So it's really talking about freedom and options availability. And at least for me, 
feeling connected to that kind of network for me was really supportive. I came from a childhood perspective that didn't feel that at all in my family or in, in the people in my life. And so for me, it, it didn't feel heavy at all. It felt, um, it felt relieving and, and very much welcomed. And I grew into that awareness of responsibility, which I think was a pretty natural bell curve of growing up from a childhood animistic perspective into an adulthood animistic perspective. Yeah. And I will say, um, I, I feel like what you, what you just said kind of reminded me that there was a lot of validation in it in sort of learning that how I experienced things around me was a whole thing that other people also experienced and that there was language around it, even if it was not completely adequate or not complete um, or perfect, that there was language around that and that there were other people who experienced that. Um, and I think on my end, I didn't experience it as part of my upbringing or a part of the understanding my family had or people around me had. So there was some relief as well. And I think that came even before I knew I was starting to understand animism. Started, you know, I think I've talked in previous episodes when I was younger, I would, you know, go out, talk to trees and that kind of thing. And you, you find your way to people who are like, well, yeah, of course. And, you know, we don't talk about what it is or why it is or that it's animism. There was relief that came in that evolution for me in my, in my spiritual evolution. But I think when we started talking about age, maybe it's, it's agency specifically. It's just, for me, um, yeah, I guess it's just this sense that there's a, there are a lot of things that even as a person who recognizes the life or essence in things that are not typically recognized that way or experienced that way openly, there were still a lot of things that I was not giving that deference to or I don't even know if respect is the right word, but it, there were a lot of things that I weren't, that I wasn't seeing in the way that I could see them. And that logically followed for me in terms of in the way I should see them and how I might be a better human on the planet if I did choose to see what was around <laughs> me that did have agency, I guess. Does that make sense? I don't know if it does. It does. I think it's just different. I think it, I think we come into our experience of animism differently and, you know, given, given what our unique life experiences are, it's going to be a different relationship to animism itself. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, I had no idea in my family of the word of agency. It was very patriarchal and very hierarchical too. Um, so the first time I heard the word agency was when I was studying the intensive with Kelly. And it took me a while to wrap my brain around it. And then when my brain got wrapped around it, it was like the rest of me, my, my body, my soul, my emotions, my everything else got wrapped around it. And there was such a feeling of relief that, yes, this is, there is more than what I was um, taught growing up. It was very liberating for me. Yay. And Kelly, yeah. I didn't say hello at the beginning. So hello. That's, that's okay. Hello. 
<laughs> so, um, I guess the other thing is, you know, that came up for me in thinking around this is also that it seems like when we think about everything having, um, it, it, when we think about things animistically, cause I, I think when I think about it for myself and when I talk about it outside of our conversations, I don't often use the word agency, but soul, um, or essence. And, but when we're thinking about things in an animistic way, um, I think there's also, I think for me, the, the additional consideration of the space I take up and the space occupied by things around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess also the, I think there's also the, the in coping with the idea of agency, um, the idea that I always, we've talked about how the, the whole manifest your destiny thing can be problematic um, and ignores certain aspects of life. And, but I think there's also this idea that if what we create, if everything has a soul and has agency, then the thoughts we have, then the actions we take, then the things we create, there's some additional responsibility there. And I'm wondering how each of you kind of frame the responsibility we have there in creating things in, well, and also, you know, how that plays into the whole idea, you know, think positively and you will create blah, blah, blah. Um, How to reconcile all of that. That's been on my mind today too. For me, the idea of individual doesn't exist in animism. And and I don't even, honestly, the word animism is bothersome to me because it is an an applied word, but we have to work with what we have, right? We have to call it something. Right. But, But there's, the individual is not separate from anything in that perspective. And so when... When you can ease into that as as how you view your life, the decisions that you make are not about you. And so the, the reality that you're creating becomes something bigger than when we talk about you create your own reality from this, you know, I want a bicycle or I want a winning lottery ticket. I mean, those are the kinds of things that most people are talking about when they're having those conversations. They're not talking right. about helping their communities. And so... The distinction there is that in animism, you're always talking about community. You're you're always uh, building into the needs and the desires of community when you're deciding what you want and the choices that you make at an individual level. And that's where agency becomes a, a really discrete conversation because everything we do affects everything else and everything it does affects us and we can't account for that in you create your own reality it's it's an incomplete thought right and also like what you just said like everything you do affects everything else and and vice versa and you know all the ways that that exists i think that's the part of it that feels um 
enormous to me. And I guess some of that is exciting and awesome, but some of it also feels huge. And I'm wondering how, you know, do either of you have difficulty reconciling yourself amid that both you're part of a collective, you are a part of a community and yet you, um, and, but, but, and in, but you also affect it and you are affected by it. Um, you know, how do you wrap your head around that on an everyday basis? How does that play into the day to day? The word community really helps me a lot because that brings it more centered into my consciousness, into my experience of being. So when I look at my community, and I'm just going to pull, for example, here in my house, okay? Um, I've got uh, Max and Raven, my cat and dog, and I've got uh, my plants. I also have garden tools. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and when I look at the garden tools as part of my community, it's like, well, how can I help them? Um, so that they can help me. There's like a, a line going between us. And part of that is taking care of them. Part of them is keeping them clean. Part of them is keeping in their place. Uh, part of them is not leaving them outside to rust. And when I look at a community like that, it, to me, it just becomes really exciting. And it's like, what else can be in a community with me today? Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of fun, actually. I think we have to remember that we have already been indoctrinated against animism and we don't even realize at a conscious level how much it has been indoctrinated out of us to have this perspective and it's not just a mental thing i'm talking at an energetic and spiritual level the realization even at a scientific level that we're all energy we're all vibrating from the same energy source we are learning this after the fact. And so when you ask right. about how we, how do you do this on a daily basis? Or, you know, do you struggle with this on a daily basis? I don't know who can answer that they don't struggle with it. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that people who are in communities that have an, a group agreed upon animistic structure, that they are living a very different reality of this conversation than we are because we live yeah. in a culture that is poised, not just against this, doesn't know about it, doesn't want to know about it, but our systems, capitalism, our economy, our educational system, our trajectory of live, work, die is completely poised against having the perspective that you're connected with everything around you, everything you see, everything you don't see it, you, you are part of it. It is part of you and you're constantly affecting each other. So I think yeah. there are steps. I think there are steps to how we come into that awareness and how we digest it and take effect in it that, we have to start at a far granular level because it's just not the way we've done things and it's not the way things systemically want to be done. Right. I, I mean, we live in a culture where, yeah, we, there is a coping of, of it where culture that has never put it down or has never, you know, tried to eradicate the concept or, you know, didn't need the word animism for it to begin with, mm -hmm. 
you know, they're already doing it and it's already part of life. But for us, that's not the case. I mean, it is like, it is a struggle and, you know, it's good. Like from my perspective, I know that something I struggled with, like Janet, you were using the example of like your tools are part of the community. So you take care of them, you clean them, you store them properly. Um, but then if everything in your community, you know, if everything in your house is part of your community, then um, what does it mean when you throw it away? What does it mean when you waste something? What does it mean if something gets broken? Um, and which is not to say that those things can't have to be disastrous just because, you know, you're looking at your household as a, you know, part of a bigger community, part of your community. But it does, it is a different way of thinking. And for me, the initial part of that was a lot of guilt and not all of it productive. Um, I mean, there, there's understanding that you need to do better learning and then doing better. Um, for me, sometimes this process has been about putting down where I may have not had even remotely enough respect for the things around me and have already done considerable <coughs> damage. I think reconciling that can be hard in stepping into an understanding that everything around you is its own being is its own person that can be tough um because we live in an age where like we're creating you know trash barges and there's not an easy solution for not doing that but then also uh you know how do you look at a trash barge or like clump of trash in the middle of the ocean in an animistic way um it gets complicated because of how we live as a culture. Absolutely, because we we have to survive where we are. We we right. can't we can't just go. I mean, you know, few people can go off the grid and live in the trees. And you know, even just going to live in the trees doesn't mean that you're good at living in unity with the beings around you. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, just doing that in and of itself doesn't mean that you know how to do that in a respectful manner. But you know, we we can't stop being the way we are in this culture, we have to find the way to survive in this culture that meets our spiritual needs as animists, which by default means meets the needs of the beings around us. Yeah, and that's a lot. Well, it's a lot to clarify when you don't already have a system of understanding that and already have, you know, we haven't all been raised to understand that relationship and how to tap into it. So to suddenly look around and say, like, how do I figure out what everything around me needs? That's where I think the coping comes in, um, because we're trying to relearn something we've been, as you, like you were saying, intentionally untaught um, or, sh or shielded from. And, um, I mean, for me, I know I'm, I keep asking you to like, how do you cope? What do you do about it? Um, but, and I think for me, um, like the example of, you know, waste, trash, that kind of thing. I think for me, I, I came to, you know, a complicated understanding that, I mean, trash is trash. It's not like we've never, like trash has never existed used to be better about not making as much of it I can do things to make less of it um, but also it simply exists and it is and that is not inherently something to carry around or create guilt around um, and it is sort of that you know forgiving myself for where I don't see an 
uh, a clear path to doing better, but I'm simply acknowledging that I could do better and I, remaining open to where I might find that answer in communicating with those things around me of, of asking. And sometimes I have asked and been met with, I don't understand the question of like, it is what it is kind of thing. Like sometimes the idea of, um, I don't know, assuming that, you know, what you do with an object is good or bad. Like that's a very human kind of thing in, in some instances, it gets into that whole shadow conversation. Um, and the thing I'm interacting with or, you know, doing something with where I create guilt is where I'm trying to humanize the thing rather than just allow it to have its own agency, I guess. I wonder if people living off the land 100 and 200 years ago, um, if they had a different understanding of agency and a more natural understanding of animism than we have in our society with all of its uh, broken systems. I don't think 200 years is far enough back. It, it was yeah, stripped out of us long before then. Okay. I mean, it was stripped out of us long before Columbus. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking 2,000 years ago or more. So I don't... For the three of us, yes. Right, right, right. right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that having to live closer to the land puts you more in touch with those natural cycles. But I, I mean, I don't think that 200 years ago, you know, they were, they were heavily, they may be more indoctrinated by the church than we are now in some ways. But I think that just because they lived closer to nature doesn't necessarily mean they recognized its agency. Mm -hmm. I think it probably would have shown up more in superstitions than actual mm -hmm. like spiritual perspective. Right. And I think that's the other thing too, uh, that, that reminded me there was another thing that in terms of like reconciling all of this for me is that, um, you know, nature has greatly widened in terms of what it is and, uh, you know, what it encompasses. And we've created other spaces in which nature exists. I, I mean, the internet, technology, those things are all also, um, when looking at things animistically, those things all also, you know, you have relationship with. Um, and I feel like that's something we've gained, um, <laughs> whether it's a good exchange in the long run for the planet itself I don't know but um, I don't think we do have to live completely off the I don't even know what that means really I mean but in this you know sort of conventional living off the land I don't think we need to do that to be animistic or to be consciously and responsibly in relationship with the things around us and in some ways, that's more responsibility as well, because now we're in conscious relationship with, I mean, so many more people with technology that we didn't used to have. Um, and we're still learning how to have those relationships. We're still learning how to take care of those things, create them thoughtfully, manage them thoughtfully, create boundaries around them and understand relationship with people that we don't ever get to physically come in contact with. Mm -hmm. It's all very, very different um, experience of a whole lot more agency, I guess, too. 
It's a lot. It it's is a lot. a lot. It's a whole heck of a lot. I think in a way, if you can remove the uh, variables of time and place, like if you can for a few seconds realize everything, not just now that's in the room with you or on the land that you're on right now, but everything in existence through all of time is still in existence. It makes, it makes the details of now less. You don't have to get in touch with every one of them. It's not your job to get in touch with every one of them. Every one of them doesn't want to be in touch with you. Your job is figuring out the ones that you have to be in touch with to survive here, the ones that you need at a spiritual or emotional level to be fulfilled, and what you need to give back. I think if you can kind of hone it down to those three base things, then you can figure out a route that really works for you. Yeah. When you were saying that about, you know, everything existing, I mean, the thing is you boil us all down to like that same collective energy um, and everything existing simultaneously. We become very small in a way that Mm -hmm. I find comforting. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do it all. You, mm-hmm. Your job isn't to be in touch with every book you've ever had and, you know, every spoon that's in your drawer. It's it's what ones do you have to deal with? What ones pay your bills and mm-hmm. what ones make you have meaning in your life? And what meaning can you give back to the ones that must be in your life? Yeah. And I think there can be a little too much ego in assuming that we have to be the caretakers of everything at, in every moment. Um, and to such a, an extreme degree, you know, of all the things in our quote possession, I think that can be a relief too. That you know, I think that's really good grounding. Is just to kind of see where am I, who am I, what am I today, what needs me today, um, what do I need today, and how can I be in good relationship with ever with whatever I'm using, um, consuming, producing, all of those things, and kind of take it in those small bite-sized bits of time and maybe even narrow it down from today to maybe what do I need this morning or at this moment in time yeah I like that sometimes one day at a time is too damn big for me oh I hope to tell you yeah (laughs) I love Janet's things I know Uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm giggling. <laughs> well, I think, I, I mean, I think we've kind of uh, talked ourselves in, in a somewhat coherent tangle. Um, I think we offered some ideas about how to frame it in a way that's manageable um, and maybe make some sense and offer some grounding. I really like ending it in sort of that idea of just kind of can you stay grounded in where you are and um, in time and your life and just kind of look around and see what needs you and what you need and to engage in each of those relationships with all those things carefully, mindfully, as respectfully as possible. I don't know, whatever your value around it is. I think just as much on their terms as possible, you know, what has to be on your terms and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. If it needs to be on your terms, can you do so 
with some deference or respect or checking in, compromise, whatever. Um, and if it doesn't need to be on your terms, then simply be open to the terms that might be available to guide. So I like that. I do too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully it's made some sense. Um, we welcome questions. Um, send in some questions. If we have enough for next week, I think we were talking about doing a Q&A episode soon. Um, we would have space to possibly do that next week. So let us know if you have some questions or if you, even if you have like a su- suggested topic, maybe not a specific question, but you want us to talk about something, uh, let us know. We're very open. And I will see you ladies next week and see all of you next week. Everyone take good care. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.